All right, let's talk trending news. It's five minutes past four. Trending news right now. Today, joined by founder of Reputation First, Seppo Matziba, to look at what's happened in the world of social media for the last 24 hours on this Tuesday. Seppo, thank you very much for joining us. How are you this morning? Uh, good morning, Asanda. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, well, thanks. How's the start to the week been? Are you still settling or are you right into the week now? I know Tuesday is also almost like Mondays for some people. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm settled in and uh, we see a lot of developments uh, starting with uh, that uh, fascinating uh, speech by President Ramaphosa on how he plans to help ESCOM uh, recover and importantly how he help, plans to help South Africa regain its energy sector. Yeah, a lot of tweets saying that it's quite depressing to basically hear nothing being said that's new. But let's talk about that address then. The nation was addressed. We had a family meeting last night by the president. One of the things that he speaks of is that additional capacity from existing IPPs or independent power producers will be implemented for the short term. Why short term in your view? How did you read into that? Yeah, so um, for, for me, what I read into uh, the underlying statement by the president is, is that there actually isn't anything completely new about um, what he was saying. So the short term in terms of uh, the solution means that um, the big up uh, proposition around unbundling ESCOM and privatizing it, uh, most most of, 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 of it as an organization is still uh, on the pipeline. So the solutions that you provided, you would almost say that these are a hundred days up of one quarter of a solution. And after the, the 30, 90 days or a quarter, um, um, the, the drive uh, actually towards uh, his broader strategic plan about unbundling ESCOM uh, continues. And I think he reinforced that point uh, at this point in time. And the procuring of power from private generators, uh, that includes the mines and shopping malls, how sustainable is that? Yeah, um, but you see, the, the trick about his uh, statement is that at, at the face value, it sounds uh, very interesting, but until mm. um, ESCOM itself and until the ministers uh, and national treasury, uh, people who are actually going to do the work, until they actually start talking about uh, the northern borders, it becomes a broader um, exercise, a, a broader vision um, and because and we've seen this before in, in the state of the nation address for the past couple of years when he speaks uh, that he articulates very good ideas uh, but uh, implementation uh, often has to be done by different people who may not necessarily be aligned especially when you look at what uh, Minister Gore Mandashe in the energy sector is, is startling different views mm-hmm. completely different views from those of the Minister uh, of uh, uh, public enterprises, Pravin Gordon, who is accountable also for ESCOM. So yeah. it's a very difficult one, I think, for the president that I think he's trying to add um, to come up with a solution. But most of the solutions for, for us, at least at face value, come across like short-term uh, um, uh, solutions. For example, he says that uh, Botswana uh, and other countries on the southern uh, Africa have got, on the southern region, have got more capacity than their economies need. And South Africa will be importing uh, from power from mm. those countries. But we know uh, that on the reverse side, those countries are not functional when ESCOM is not functional. So at a practical level, uh, when you are not an engineer in the ESCOM ecosystem, in the energy ecosystem, it's 
difficult to understand sometimes what it really means. And that's why we need uh, some of the subject matter experts and more importantly, um, we need some people who are actually going to do the work mm. and articulating what this actually means. What's also more difficult for me is how National Treasury is still dealing with ESCOM's debt, and that was mentioned in the President's speech, but yet, to the point that you're saying, uh, there are plans of, of ESCOM buying surplus power from uh, uh, neighboring countries. How does that even balance? I, I don't get it for me. No, no, no. It was uh, quite complex. So, firstly, we know the National Treasury, of course, he says they, they will develop a sustainable solution. Mm. Um, we don't know what that means. He, he has not gone into detail, but he said before this will happen before the medium uh, term budget policy statement, which is in October. So, um, and that's why I talk about a quarter or close to a 100 day plan, which is not new to what he has said or articulated before. Um, how we, we, we work around the Southern African region honestly mm. uh, doesn't make sense. When I traveled to Botswana by myself, uh, Botswana had difficulties. Uh, far more difficulties when South Africa had load shedding uh, difficulties. And the same applies in Zambia, and the same applies in Zimbabwe and Lesotho. So um, mm-hmm. it just didn't gel for me how, how that was going to, to unfold. Uh, but perhaps the president uh, has access to information that we don't have, and that's why I'm looking forward to the point when it goes into the detail or if some of the ministers come on board and articulate how it's going to work, and we hope they do so as quickly as they were doing uh, during uh, COVID-19. Does it sound like a copy and paste of what the Western Cape uh, uh, government did with their risk mitigation processes that were implemented last month? I mean, with stage six, they stepped in quickly to make sure that load shedding is not too much of a uh, negative or doesn't have too much of a negative impact in terms of uh, the Western Cape government and the Western Cape municipalities. They speak also of renewable energy. And this was last month already that they, they spoke about. Even as far as last year in the Western Cape, they implemented the municipal energy resilience initiative and uh, also speaking of ipps that are involved but they took it up a notch i guess uh, by also launching uh, preparatory studies and 21 out of 24 municipalities in the western cape allow for small-scale renewable energy on the grid does it sound like (laughs) this was uh, taken from that plan I've observed how the uh, Western Cape, and particularly directly the Democratic Alliance's leadership team, has actually come out to say this is a, a copy and paste, and they hope that it would be accelerated. Of course, there are clear similarities between the two initiatives that the, the president, the key initiatives that President Soramaposa outlined, and uh, the action plan of what is transpired in the Western Cape. And there are similarities, uh, but he may argue uh, that uh, these are the, uh, based on insights and expertise that he he gets from his advisors and subject matter experts Mm -hmm. uh, around his office and from consultation with the private sector. And uh, it may well be that it's coincidental, but uh, of course the DA's argument uh, very often uh, in recent times since uh, the president's book yesterday was that, uh, last night actually, was that Mm -hmm. this is a a direct copy and paste. And I would leave it at their opinion for them to say it's a direct copy and paste. And I would leave it also for him and his office to say, well, this is uh, based on consultation and this is our strategy and this is our 10-point plan to address the Mm. energy sector. Talking of consultation, a National Energy Crisis Committee is uh, being built and who should be part of this, in your opinion? It's difficult, Um, but I'm I'm a bit of a 
uh, realist. And uh, for mm. very often, so far to date, I have not had any uh, solid expertise from um, uh, ESCOM itself uh, that convinces me that they are in charge of the energy crisis. And that happened to a point where Minister Guremantaj um, um, said, well, this specific CEO is actually uh, not the one we need to solve the crisis at this point in time. Uh, he's not our fixer, in fact, those were his words. So um, you almost need some of the engineers within ESCOM, uh, people who actually are doing the work, who understand the issues. Um, but additionally, you may want to go and speak to even people you don't necessarily like, like Marcella Coco, who often say that they have views and uh, and that they've demonstrated during their tenure that they do understand what is happening at ESCOM. Maybe there might be an opportunity to capitalize on some of the skills and expertise at that level, even though we may not necessarily like um, accusations around them or, mm. or, 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 or their personality or, or their factions and that they like within the overall political spectrum of South Africa. And then, of course, um, there are former ESCOM experts um, that we understand are now working closely with government, uh, former CEOs of ESCOM, former engineers who may be able to assist. And lastly, someone recently, and I won't reference his name uh, because then people will say it's, I'm, I'm, I'm political, but someone recently in an interview, someone popular in politics said, perhaps uh, if the Ch- once we, given that we know if we are friends with the Chinese in, within the BRICS uh, uh, environment, mm-hmm. um, Brazil, South Africa, India, China, that perhaps um, uh, and Russia, that perhaps there's an opportunity to speak to the Chinese and actually ex- import expertise from China to help solve this challenge fairly quickly. And of course, we know that it may not be cheap. Uh, there may be uh, consequences in the long run, but it's, it would be better to, to keep the economy afloat and, and build trust uh, amongst investors than just to hide under the sand and hope that this thing is going to go away uh, by just making uh, big and, and large promises that often uh, are not implementable at grassroots level. So I think uh, the tweets switched off, <laughs> uh, excusing the pun there, when it came to that speech a little bit. Uh, quarter past uh, four is our time. If you've just joined us, we're in conversation with Seppo Matira, founder of Reputation First on our trending news. Okay, uh, we might as well talk about the ANC then, since we're talking about President Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, but now the KZN leadership. They are wanting a step-aside policy to not only be reviewed, but it must be scrapped there where Boniso Duma is now new chairperson. Uh, this is a, a, a fascinating development. Some may argue immediately that, uh, uh, that it actually means that they, they want to create space uh, for, 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 for the narrative of the immediate past, uh, meaning that they want to create space for the faction and a strong affection of, of, that, that leaned more towards former President Jacob Zuma. Um, because a, a lot of those members of the ANC are actually uh, had to step aside, including uh, former or acting, not even acting, including the current Secretary General mm-hmm. of the, the suspended uh, Secretary General of the ANC, uh, uh, Ismail Khashule, mm-hmm. and various other leaders of the ANC. Remember, with the state capture uh, situation, uh, the ANC itself is the one that is, was on trial, and 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 this step aside rule actually makes it difficult for the ANC itself to survive. But even at the presidency level, President Cyril Ramaphosa now facing the Palapalafam matter, uh, the step-aside condition might work in his favor uh, if it's scrapped because 
um, uh, we don't know what the outcome of the Palapala farm investigation is going to be uh, because mm. uh, at this stage he has not said much himself uh, to articulate his position on, on various issues, to articulate the facts, except that we now know that he has responded uh, to, to a certain extent to questions from the, the AT public protector or the public protector's office. So it is the agency that's actually on trial, and this is step aside rule. If it's scrapped, I mean, I watched the Zukoto uh, last night saying, well, you know, uh, that's an ongoing discussion, but I, I didn't hear him say we shouldn't do it. Uh, I didn't hear him say we should stick to our position uh, on step aside, because step aside, uh, if you scrap it, it works for most of the leadership, because that's what it is uh, when you look at the, um, the level of craft in South Africa. Mm. Let's take a short break. We'll continue on that. Uh, ANC step-aside policy, uh, the KZN leadership calling it to not only be reviewed, but to be scrapped. This is SAFM Sound Awake. Trending news right now. With Tsepo Matsiba, founder of Reputation First, we are on this uh, terrific Tuesday for Trending News. So we're still on the hashtag ANC step-aside uh, topic. <laughs> Uh, so, as you say, I mean, uh, the suspended Secretary General, Ace Mahashule, called it out uh, maybe first last year already, saying that the step-aside policy of the ANC violates the rule of innocent until proven guilty. Does it mean that KZN leadership is showing some support for Mahashule? Um, I would say um, undoubtedly so. Um, to, to a large extent, they do. And, and that's because it is not only a uh, that's um, affected by this, uh, of, of course, in, that this includes Zandile Kumede and others uh, who have been actually uh, barred from participating and taking up their roles due to this specific rule. Now, if we reflect on what the rule um, uh, actually uh, said, is that if you face uh, uh, corruption and any other serious charges, you need to voluntarily step aside or face immediate suspension. Mm. Uh, that, that's what the rule says. Now, when you go into some of the list of senior people in the ANC about the allegations around them, from uh, Minister Guedemantash himself uh, to Zizi Kotoa, mm. um, to the president that is facing currently, to Ace Mahashule, Sandy Legumete, all these are facing serious charges or if you may say, serious allegations. Mm. Some are already charged, some are allegations. Some you may say that a, a complaint has been laid at the police station, and we don't know how far it is. We know that when it comes to Palapala, um, there is an indication that was given that the, the NPA actually is not, uh, say they, they are not yet uh, on the Palapala matter. Um, and so um, we, we don't know at what stage which cases uh, we, we need to do a deeper analysis uh, on each of the, the cases and allegations. Uh, but we, we've seen that Isma Khushule keeps emphasizing, actually, that he wants his day in court. And he gets frustrated, you could see, uh, during court proceedings, that he gets frustrated uh, when uh, matters are postponed on legal issues as opposed to dealing with the merits of his case. And uh, you are quite right that he probably called it out uh, for what it is at early on, and he spotted it as a as a, as a, as a difficulty. Because, of, of course, our, in our country, uh, even though the ANC may have their own rule um, about stepping aside, uh, the country's constitution and the country's laws are the ones that actually supersede uh, all of us. And so if, if, if uh, um, Zepo and his friends within the organization 
says that if something of this nature happens, you must step aside. And that must be aligned to constitutional uh, uh, priorities and prescripts. And at this point in time, it looks like their own uh, uh, resolutions are now being uh, tested. You know, and we know the newly elected uh, provincial secretary, Begin uh, Dono, said that the, the conference actually resolved that delegates at the national conference must forward the proposal that the step aside must not be reviewed, but it must be scrapped. All right. Well, the KZN uh, leadership being the first to become or to call for this, the first province to call for this. We're expecting to hear from the ANC in Limpopo, and reports are saying that expectations are that they'll be the second to support this. Do you think that will exactly be the the sentiments? It's difficult to say, uh, because the politics of the ANC are contradictory. There are many, many contradictions. Uh, and we, my, my anticipation uh, is that uh, different provinces will move with their own uh, faction at a particular point. Um, Limpopo uh, was the first to say uh, through the, pre- the current uh, uh, leadership of the ANC there uh, that said, well, we, we are going to support uh, uh, President Sarah Ramaphosa's uh, for the re-election um, uh, as the ANC uh, uh, president and, of course, as the uh, president of the country. Mm-hmm. And that was quickly addressed uh, by the different other uh, uh, regions of the ANC uh, and other ANC members saying, but you can't uh, go and make those pronouncements and campaign in advance. So the ANC, uh, in its many contradictory positions and its, in its many complex colors, um, is likely uh, to hold different views across different uh, uh, levels, uh, but we're yet to see. But overall, when you look at the step-aside resolution and you look at the amount of uh, the number of people and individuals and groups who are accused of corruption within the ANC, you shouldn't be surprised when they actually say, let's grab the resolution. Mm. Okay, let's uh, talk about uh, hashtag Mandisamaya now, our Supreme Court of Appeal president. Uh, who's been there since 2017, uh, has now been appointed Deputy Chief Justice. He, uh, well, well, this is a, um, a, 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 a awesome development. It's a positive story. And mm. It may well be that we are concerned that she was not appointed the actual Chief Justice and that the President uh, chose to appoint Justice uh, Zondo. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, at the highest uh, uh, sector, or the highest level of our judicial system, our justice system, and Justice Mandisamaya as the female um, uh, leader in that environment will bring a truly a fresh uh, perspective and fresh ideas and fresh blood. And so I think South Africa should celebrate this one as opposed to uh, spending too much time on questioning uh, decisions that are totally constitutionally in the hands of the president in appointing the chief justice. And this particular one, we should focus on celebrating uh, uh, this appointment as a significant milestone in transformation and particularly transformation in around gender equality mm-hmm. and bringing women on par and on the same levels. Uh, because at competency level, there's no doubt that I mean, she has run uh, the Supreme Court of Appeal in Affairs there uh, with excellence. And so uh, we commend uh, actually um, those who play their role um, and we commend her and congratulate her on this specific appointment. It's great for South Africa mm-hmm. and I think it's good for Africa. Absolutely. I mean, she was already the first woman in that position. 
to, to be in there, Supreme Court of Appeal president. Now it's another first, uh, the first time a female judge is appointed to the position of Deputy Chief Justice. And then uh, also Justice Raymond Zondo will retire in 2024 in August, and she uh, would be the next Chief Justice if they go, I guess, in terms of the chronological succession plans there. And that would make a third first for her. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it will be a third first for her, but also a first for uh, uh, South African women. women uh, yes. but, but note that we come from a continent where women are actually at the back benches throughout the continent, throughout the 54 member states of the African Union. So for South Africa to be taking this type of steps uh, sends a very, very positive signal uh, throughout the, the African Union and that it's time for us to recognize women in their role. And, and, and particularly, if you just uh, just oppose this against what Banyana Banyana have been doing um, over the past couple of weeks, uh, and their, 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 that stellar achievement just tells you the narrative is positive uh, for us to shift the gender dialogue in terms of uh, transformation and empowerment. Uh, we, we need to move a little bit faster, and mm-hmm. South Africa is sending a very, very good message. We hope that JSD-listed companies are listening and are watching and that they fast-track and, and really, really uh, move forward with bringing uh, women, and particularly black women, on par uh, with uh, uh, the other peers, um, which are predominantly male when you look at the top 40 JSD-listed yeah. companies. And talking of black women, I mean, the judge is seen as advocating respect for standing for cultural identity. She has written two judgments in Isitkosa. Do we expect that legacy to continue? Of course, I think that uh, she, she will be uh, driving a holistic transformation, in particular issues around culture, around identity, uh, respect for all, uh, irrespective of their, their, their skin color, but also fast-tracking uh, those cultures and those views that have been left behind uh, over a period of time, uh, either due to apartheid and also due to masculinity and misogyny that we see in our society uh, ongoing. I, I can anticipate um, that uh, uh, our, our challenges around gender-based violence, for example, and our challenges around identity and, uh, uh, and language are going to be fast-tracked at uh, an alarming rate um, because uh, we've seen her to be an implementer and not someone who just makes uh, vague and, and broad statements. And then, of course, she comes across, I mean, in, in, in my analysis, she comes across as a sober uh, uh, a person who, who sets aside uh, emotions um, and, and pronounces and takes her time, despite sometimes being um, attacked and misinterpreted to be, to be dragging her feet on issues. She takes her time, and by the time she responds, you can actually see that behind the scenes, she does a lot of work without actually calling uh, media conferences. Okay, let's end on uh, hashtag SABC. Uh, SABC uh, axing special assignment, that investiga- investigative show, journalism show. After 24 years it's been airing uh, this show. What does this mean for investigative journalism in your view? Or is it not that deep? Sure. Um, I, I think it's a, a special assignment played a, a, a crucial role. When I saw the story, I was actually uh, heartbroken uh, myself as, as a communicator. Um, but also I think that uh, a special assignment uh, over the, the almost three decades now has played a significant role uh, in addressing uh, serious difficulties of, of craft in our country, both in the public and the private sector, and helping us understand 
attack complex uh, uh, and unfold complex criminal syndicate mm. um, uh, that that one wouldn't have um, been exposed to unless a program of this nature existed. And remember uh, that uh, while there may be other alternative uh, or similar programs, um, the, the, the public, uh, ordinary members who rely on the public service or the public sector or the SABC as a public broadcaster um, will now not have access to this uh, uh, insight and level of rigor that we received uh, from special assignments. So it is regrettable. Mm. Uh, it's regrettable also in the context of media uh, diversity uh, because a special assignment being, uh, you know, an SABC uh, public service, uh, public broadcasting service uh, proposition and um, was actually available for everyone and anyone. And now, of course, uh, with the, the, the emergence of uh, mostly paid for content, um, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, in the short term until we have different alternatives. In the short term, it's going to be difficult uh, for, for, for poor and ordinary people to access those excellent and exceptional insights uh, of investigative journalism at a level where special assignment was pitched. And this, I mean, it was, a, it was a, almost a, a global benchmark um, if you look at uh, the type of programs that we have in South Africa and on this continent. Absolutely. And the last show will be 2nd August there. So, Tsepo, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time and uh, hoping you have a great uh, Tuesday. Thanks. Founder of Reputation First, Tepo Matziba, talking to us on our trending news.